And it's Friday. It's and Friday. And you're in a hotel and I'm using my new desk table. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah, we're in we're in the desert this weekend, just relaxing a little bit for two nights. Oh, very nice. <laughs> we're live. We're safe and sane. That's all right. She can keep talking. Wandering <laughs> the desert. Yes. You know, you could wandering the desert. Mm, I know some Ooh. Jews like that. That's you, it. you know, and they, they don't get lost. We didn't get lost. We did get here, but we had GPS and you're the wandering Jews. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody goes, What the hell are you talking about? Right? <laughs> so happy Friday, everyone. It is Friday, Friday. And this oh. is humor, grace, and grief. It is. It is. And I said it right. I'm Deb. This is Jill. And uh, and I know uh, your wifey is in the background there. Not for and long. She's not disappearing. Not for long. Oh, oh. Can you bring me a coffee, please? Um, okay, so they brought so, it to us. Oh, that's so sweet. How's your week been, Jill? It has been um, kind of utterly a lot. How about yours? Um, you know, the phrase go with the flow, I call yeah. it divine order. I am ride just the wave. like, yeah, ride the wave because you're, I'm aiming this way and the universe is saying, I don't think so. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, that's mm -hmm. what I'll do. And you know, those, uh, finger traps. Yes. That the little basket weave ones, the more you pull, the harder the it is. The more you pull away and pull and try to get away from a situation, well, what happens, right? Right. Relax. It's it's hard to get out of them unless you break the straw. Right. But when mm -hmm. you relax into something, that has a whole different feel about it. And I think it's that way with grief. If you can not fight against the grief and yeah. maybe i should define what fighting against the grief is or give examples fighting Please against do. the fighting against the grief might be i'm not grieving i'm fine i'm not grieving and you have this like backbone and i can understand in certain certain circumstances where uh, let's say you're a tv personality and you have to go live mm -hmm. and you've just had a death well you compartmentalize for a little bit and then you let yourself go blah, 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 blah. you know um another thing about grieving would be um I know I'll be okay. And look at the way I'm saying it. Yeah, we all know you're going to be okay, but I'll be all right. I don't have to go through all the stages that people talk about. And there are no stages. Thank it's you for saying one that. one <laughs> messy line. Let me just say that again, because I was a little appalled at, I guess there's a movie out and, oh, it's with Melissa McCartney. And movie. Ah, starlings. Mm. And I'm just getting little snippets, so I'm not getting the whole picture. But it's like 
have you gotten to the stage of anger? Obviously, someone <sighs> died in her life. And she said, well, yeah. Well, then prepare to be depressed or something like that. I have to say again, grief is not stages. People who are dying, they go through a withdrawal and even then, it's still it's not in a linear. It's order. not a linear thing, and it goes I, around. I just and it depends have to on who's say present. That. Exactly, right? exactly. If I'm settled with you and I'm dying, I'm not going to be in those places. But if I'm not settled with you, then I'm going to be in a different space emotionally, and it'll change in ten minutes, especially if the pain exactly. hits. Exactly, exactly. So another, um, another part about denying grief is almost like pretending nothing has happened. We're not going to discuss what's happening. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to react to it. I don't even want you talking about it. Right. Yeah. That's another kind of denial. It's off limits. Going on. Mm -hmm. We're not going to say their name. <gasps> We're not oh, we're gonna only going to say positive things. Positive. Right? We're only going to be positive. We're going to make happy thoughts. <laughs> yes, we're going to make happy thoughts. And I'm like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> right. Right. We're getting, yeah. in fact, we're getting ready for a, a good friend of mine, ready for the funeral of his husband. I'm right. background helping to some degree. And, um, you know, a whole lot of talk about, you know, he was an amazing person, but uh, let's be realistic, <laughs> right? He was who he was. And every one of us has those moments, right? Yes. Our humanity moments. So I can hear what my kids are going to say before I'm gone. I think that would be absolutely terrific. Then I could change things early. You know what? If anybody says like, Let's just pretend she's here on a or she's on a long trip. I'm gonna come back and haunt you. Right. You're gonna be so sorry. I'm gonna like, here, if I can move your tears from the other side, I'm gonna do it. Exactly. <laughs> I would, you know, I think you'd be maybe we should all do that. We should have like a midlife wake. <gasps> and then invite everybody and we could hear what they had to really say so that we had the chance <laughs> to fix the things. Before the rest of the life went by. Wouldn't that be fun? Well, you know, every party I ever give, it's sort of like, oh, this could be my last. Right. So, <laughs> well, That's a fun way to put it. I know. Deb's next. This could be my last party. Yes. Deb's next. This could be my last party. Oh, let's have right. another birthday party. Deb's next to last birthday party. Right. So. With all kidding aside, uh, the week has been a lot of I'm aiming one way and the universe has another idea. I I think the harder part are those little micro losses, which is change in plans. Mm -hmm. That's like a micro loss. Uh, yes, it is. I can't get the computer to work the way I want on my timeline. That's a micro loss. And with all the other frustrations, 
that's feeding yours. So you're not just one person. You are being, if you have any idea about maybe I'm being affected by XYZ in the news. I mean, yes, my heart goes out to, hey, Mark, um, it goes out to uh, what's the high profile case right now of the woman who died, the young woman. Yeah. Gabby. That was Gab. Okay. So my heart goes out to her family. And my heart also goes out to, and I'm just going to say it like this, the hundreds, I don't even know how many, of African-American families that their kid is missing or their family member is the missing. Indigenous Americans. Indigenous Americans. Especially even the women. Look at what happened in Canada. Nobody talked about all those missing kids till they dug them up. Well, now and, we're doing the same thing here because yes. we have our own history of that kind of shame. That's mm -hmm. right. So my heart goes out to those other grieving parents Yes, that don't feel like uh, they have enough money or they're not the right color or they're not something else. My heart goes out to them for thinking... Mm -hmm. Why aren't they looking for my kid that way? Why isn't my kid national A missing news? child is as big or bigger a loss than the death because you don't know what happened. Mark, Mark knows this. In Illinois, a student went missing, I don't know, close to three, four weeks ago. Anne has they been just getting... found him. Yes. And that in-between of this kind of traumatic death, and it is, where... You don't know where your kid is or your brother or your sister. And then you don't want to think the worst. And yet, you know, that is a distinct possibility. And then you're faced with the coroner coming up to your door or a police officer or whatever. And you're on your knees again. Yeah. You're sick. I mean, it's literally such a sickening feeling. I don't know about you, but in my family, uh, one of our family members had been murdered. And this was back in the uh, 70s, late 70s. And when that happens and you're of the same last name or you know the person, every time the media plays it, you're just sick. It's like you relive and yeah and that's yeah. where with social media being so prominent now mm -hmm. when someone is posting something about something that just happened now people are moderators want folks the family members of the people involved in this are reading these comments nice <laughs> the, the whole thing like we have to be nice that to my mind, that shouldn't be a thing. We should all know that if someone has had a loss, no, we don't want angelic edits, but we need to be supportive and right. not not get ugly. That That's not necessary. Not blame the woman. Mm -mm. I mean, how many clients 
and you probably can't even name the number of where there's been abuse in the family and they can't leave. Domestic violence was actually my specialty when I lived in Florida. And I started a, a domestic violence support group mm-hmm. single-handedly and we created a whole program in Polk County, Florida, which is known for Judd Grady or Grady Judd, excuse me, this but before Grady Judd, there was actually a whole coalition of the state's attorney's office, the sheriff's department, the local police agencies, the prosecutor. And we put together a program to ensure that every domestic violence survivor had all the support they needed, mm-hmm. reports got filed, that they got the free cell phone, which in those days were about mm-hmm. this tall and, and weighed about four pounds. Bag phones. But they were helpful. They weren't the bag phones. They were those brick phones. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Super helpful because if nothing else, you could defend yourself with them, right? Because they weighed about three pounds. But we were one of the first counties to roll those out in the nation. Mm -hmm. There were lots of people I worked with that it took a year or two to get them to the point where they could actually leave. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. when you leave of domestic violence or intimate partner violence situation, that's the most deadly time. And if you've got kids, you have to be especially careful. So mm-hmm. we would talk about, you know, parking the car facing outward. So if you had to flee, you didn't have to back up. Right. right? Making sure that you had duplicate favorite toys for the kids. Mm-hmm. So when you left, if you didn't have time to grab them, they were waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take care of the pets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes on with that. And there's so much of it that comes down to blame the victim. And it's not Mm-mm. the people being victimized who's at fault. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of grief for the family to sit and watch. Um, yesterday I was talking with someone and it takes courage to just survive. And there is no shame in courage. Mm-mm. And something else that isn't talked about in in grief is when everybody assumes for the most part it's only females that are in domestic violence that they and only are adults. victims and adults when it's not it's men no. and men teenagers. have a whole other layer teenagers oh yeah so grief spans across many situations from losing your car keys right to domestic violence to murder to they're old mm-hmm. even losing your car keys because when you get to be that's right age not only are you upset that you can't find something that matters to you even though it's something simple like car keys there's also that what does this say about my memory Right? Especially if someone else decides to be cute and funny about it, and it's not a cute and funny moment in that moment. Right? I I have to tell you, last week, uh, we had our insurance come out. You get a free Visa card or whatever, come out and um, do a head-to-toe exam. And they also do what I would call a mini mental. So they ask you to draw the hands on the clock, and I think I heard it wrong, like I reversed it. And I'm like, this doesn't look right. And I go to the bathroom and she goes, the one you got wrong was the clock. And I'm like, and 
I was so focused on you've got to pass this mini mental. So I had to keep saying those three words over in my head. Right. And then I figured out in the last few days, whenever I worry that I might be losing my memory is when I forget things more. So it's like pre-grieving a possibility, which is right. AKA worry, right? Yes. Isn't that what worrying is? One part of worrying. So sometimes you cause more damage by uh, worrying about losing stuff. So, and dementia is a big fear and, and mm -hmm. a big loss because when someone in your family has dementia, you are losing them bit by bit by bit with every single shift and mm -hmm. every change, like with grief, with a loss, you know, you surf it and you, you get through it. With dementia, it's still sitting there. It's just going to keep going. Mm -hmm. And if you're the family caregiver in the back of your mind, there's also that this could be me. Mm -hmm. And everything that has happened that I'm absorbing could happen to my next generation. That's right. Because I could, I could do this to them, although someone with dementia isn't doing anything to anyone. It's still a, a huge concern mm -hmm. for both the caregiver and then for fear for them, for their youngers. You know, people, and I know some, a uh, couple people actually with uh, frontal temporal lobe dementia, or they have the gene for it. And one is in long-term care already in their 60s. Mm -hmm. And another is, doesn't have uh, signs and symptoms yet even though she has the gene and she does, she works, she takes care of, she's, you have to be, I mean, it's all about appreciating life now for what you have, for what you have now. Yeah. And frontotemporal, for those who don't know, there are now 13 major types of dementia because COVID dementia is now a new dementia that we've added to our dementia spectrum. Tell us more. I don't know well, that. There are 12 kinds of, there were 12. There was Alzheimer's, which everyone, Alzheimer's is not the dementia. Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. if you think of a big balloon and everybody's underneath it, there's Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. there's frontotemporal lobe, there's Lewy body, yes. um, there's uh, vascular, there's Parkinson's related, um, there's the one that's related to damage to your brain from you know, football and other kinds yeah, of yeah. sports. Yeah. So there's all of these different these. dementias. They all have different starting phases. They all have different symptoms. Mm -hmm. They all end about the same way. They're all terminal illnesses. And now with the one with COVID, which anybody who does dementia or is involved in dementia sort of had a uh-oh when we heard that the first symptom of COVID is loss of sense of smell and taste. Because mm -hmm. that's the first symptom for almost every dementia. Really? And mm -hmm. starts to go away and you don't really notice it because you adapt, you adapt, you adapt. That's mm -hmm. why someone with dementia can be hard to get them to eat because everything tastes like wallpaper paste. Unless it's mm -hmm. salty or sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And we're trying right. to treat people right. who are ill, including people with dementia, with, you know, you got to eat healthy. And healthy doesn't usually include salty or sweet. Mm-hmm. When in fact, someone with dementia is all about the, 
you know, the ice cream, there's a Ben and Jerry's ice cream that has like salted pretzels and chocolate in it. Mm-hmm. That is dementia ice cream, right? <laughs> it's also PMS ice cream and menopause ice cream, but it's the perfect ice cream because it's salty and sweet. Right. So that's the first symptom. So now we have this new brain fog and for most people it's lifting, but for a not insignificant number, so far it's not lifting. Mm-hmm. And it's feeding into, for those who were at the front of COVID being sick in mm-hmm. early 2020, we do have some people who are now in full on dementia mm-hmm. and it seems to have been brought on by COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID related dementia. Wow. Wow. I guess I, I mean, I, those thoughts were lurking, but I didn't realize it's now called COVID related dementia. They're trying to come up with it, but that's the working one that I've seen in Mm -hmm. some of the research Mm -hmm. because I do read the research. (laughs) Yeah. It's not social media. I dive deep into the research um, Mm -hmm. when I'm doing this kind of stuff. And that one is, is a real thing. So Mm -hmm. we have a lot of dementia and for folks who have dementia, again, there's that, what about me? That one obviously is not going to be inheritable, at least we hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But many of the others are, right? My mom has dementia now, and I'm all genealogy, so I had my all of you know the genetic stuff done, and I finally had them go back and rerun the medical. And don't you know, lurking in my senior years is going to be Alzheimer's. So I can either right. grieve it or I can live with it and enjoy life as it is now. I think that's the part about the good part about grief mm-hmm. is grief when you are present, it also can spur you to live a more present life where right. life is is you're always going from joy to hope. That's what my mm-hmm. tattoo says, right? right. So it, you know, from feeling joyous to, I hope I can get back to joy because life, parts of life are not pleasant or they're, it's hard to maintain an equanimity through them. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're a little more rugged. Um, And that's where the sense of humor comes in and finding the fun. You know, mm -hmm. I do a lot of podcasts with people about grief um, cause I'm a podcast junkie. If you have a podcast, yeah. invite me, I will come. Um, but frequently people will say, how can you do this, the grief work all day long and still smile and joke? That's how you do it. Deborah, you it's do part that of life. So yeah. they, the, whoever asked that, they used to ask me that about hospice. How can you be around all these people who are dying? And I go, I'm living. Mm-hmm. And they're still living. These people are probably people. more real and authentic in their dying than other people I'm hanging out with that are not. I mean, it's I, right. How many stories did you hear from your hospice patients oh. that you will never forget that you were just you were in awe that you were in the presence of this person? Who yes, did these things or did these things or was imparting these lessons to you. Mm-hmm. They become part of who we are. They become part of our fabric. Living right. and living and dying is part of our fabric. Right. So when you can be part of, I'm not a weaver, but I know when you're, 
I used to make those things out of the loops. Oh, me too. And those were weaving, right? All those pot holders. As far as I so got. Life, life is a giant pot holder. And right. you're constantly, you know, it's this interconnectedness with life and death that feels real to me. And, and I consider present. it, yes, sacred. Right. It's, it's, I can imagine people who deliver babies. I was on the other end. I didn't deliver babies. I helped babies exit, you know, adults exit. So people bringing them into the world, you're right on that cusp of the unseen and the seen. Pretty and incredible. It is. And that's what that's what I do. I I am part of a witness to the seen and then the unseen mm -hmm. in a heartbeat away, literally in a heartbeat away. And then yeah. you get to take them with you. Yes. In the most incredible yes. ways. And remember the ones who just taught you the lessons. And we all have those folks. I, I had a hospice patient who was confined to um, a scooter and a wheelchair. He just could not walk. He, he was a Korean war vet. He had um, damage from frostbite in Korea, mm -hmm. um, something they don't frequently show on MASH. There was a mm -hmm. lot of frostbite. Mm -hmm. My father-in-law confirmed that. Um, and he was on hospice, and so was his wife. But she was bed-bound. And he had this beautiful rose bush out in front of their mobile home. Every morning, he went out and picked a fresh rose and put it next to her. Garden in the back. This is a... You know, if you imagine, folks, a, a mobile home, it, those are not big lots. Mm -mm. But he had gotten these stakes like you use for signs on the road, have mm -hmm. little bugs on them. Every one of his vegetables grew upright so that he could pick them from his chair. <gasps> yes. And they surrounded the trailer so he could feed an army from his little tiny mobile home plot. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he made everything canned from this World War II USDA booklet. Like he just, and he found joy in every day. Mm -hmm. And that was the part, it was, they were both on hospice. They were both end of life. They were living alone. And he found joy in every day and found a way to share with his neighbors every day. <laughs> right? I, and we could laugh, he and I. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I feel that. And and to take it one step further, I remember <clears throat> I had just become a CNA and I was working in uh, a facility. And uh, I'll never forget, Jenny was her name. She was the first uh, person that I saw in this active dying process. Um, that I took care of both while she was still in transitioning to to death and then after death. And I was, I was a little afraid I'd never done this before. So this other CNA came with me and she says, is this your first? And I, Jenny was my first. See, I'll remember her name back right. from the early 80s, mid eighties. And I washed very reverently her body. I prepared her 
so that the coroner can come. She didn't have any family there. And here I was talking to her before she transitioned. And, you know, it's funny. You see that breathing. The changes. And then you don't really know that it stopped because it had stopped so many times before it started. So you're waiting and waiting. And then you have to, it, back then, of course, still now, you'd get a nurse to uh, pronounce them. Yeah. So you had to get a nurse. And yeah, that was what a reverent moment. And I still remember, even though she was dead, it was the kindest experience. To be I able to have. walk someone through that is, mm -hmm. it really is an amazing thing. And clearly some people are, are the ones who do this and some of, some people are not. Right. No criticism on either way. Right. But right. then you can leave from there and you can still go outside and feel the sun and still have a beautiful day because you can appreciate life so much more. And you can still find mm -hmm. humor in your world after a moment like that. That's right. And the respect I had for Jenny breathing, Jenny not breathing. <laughs> once right. she had died, right? And the and the respect and the reverence that I still had in that moment. And I know not everyone who is right on that cusp and then dies has that. Right. And you know, my husband has been witness to many of his relatives dying, being right there at that five-minute interval, breathing, never going to breathe again. And right. there's that flip. And that is a rawness, a, a sacredness of time. So people that say to people like you and I, why do you talk about death so much? Why do you do this? To us, we've already been woven together with that, like a good potholder. It's part of right? our fabric. <laughs> it's part of our weaving. And it's part of the loops. fabric of life. We're just happen to be more aware of it. Right. Which is why we can have a thing called humor, grace, and grief and really enjoy being able to share those moments with folks to give right. them a perspective on it. Because there's so many perspectives, mm -hmm. so many different cultures. And if we could, Jill and I, get our audience or anybody that we work with at some point to take one more breath because we said something outrageous. Because <laughs> exactly, if you're laughing, you're breathing. Right. And we want to get to that point where we can get you to take an in-breath. Mm -hmm. Talking about death doesn't kill you. You don't die from talking about dying. And, or grief. You know, or, or grief. You Anything else about it. It you actually makes it safer to talk about it, makes it manageable, makes it something right. you can conceive. Right. Which is why we do this. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm going to be doing um, a pet blessing coming up in a couple weeks. I love doing those. I love all the little animals. Right. And, and then I'll also be doing like 
for those that have died, for those animals that have passed on, that for those are across the rainbow bridge. And I don't care if it's your pet tarantula or your slithering scaled one. I'm I'm here. They I'm also your list. Please do. And I what I do is I put those names down by the candles of all those animals and then I say them out loud. Thank I you. I just I I will do that, Jill. So please do that. Okay, folks yes. who are listening, send us the names. I'll bet yes. Deb will put them on a candle for please. you. Please, please do this before October 4th. I know that Maisie needs to go in there for a friend of mine. Send me a list. I'll send I will. A list. Everyone else, send your list. Put send a post it on our show notes, and we will. And yes. Deb will make sure that a candle gets lit for your babies too. I I will. I have a whole set of for the rainbow bridge. I have uh, rainbow colored glasses. Oh. And then I, yeah, and I put all those names underneath there. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. All right. So we are at that time. Next, we, we do have a list. I'm waiting to, Deb's nailing down one guest for us. As soon as we have that, then we will be able to um, let you know who's coming. Donna Hofflinger said, my sweet dog, Ginger, died of <gasps> COVID. I remember Ginger. And Donna. this was Deborah's third anniversary of the death of a friend of 40 years. That's right. This week. So we'll. That's right. We're holding you up, Deborah. I hope yeah. you can remember some of the fun parts of that person as well as the bittersweetness of the loss. Yes. Donna, send me send me a private message. I know Donna. Okay. I, I think I know all those people that were on there. I'll bet you do. All right, folks, we will see you next week. Same time, same place. I'll be back in Riverside. Keep breathing. Keep laughing. Absolutely. Bye. Bye-bye, everyone.